0: Welcome to Pride Pals, the podcast where I, entertainment writer Alex Ewing, sit down with some friends to celebrate queer entertainment, whatever that may be. Today I am with speculative fiction writer Udoka Okonkwo, and we are talking about podcasts. Everything from Welcome to Night Vale, Alice Isn't Dead, The Magnus Archives, Mabel, The Penumbra Podcast and non-fiction podcasts as well as well as looking at the general landscape of podcasts and their ability to fill in the niche of queer entertainment you'll be able to find links to all of the podcasts that we mention in the chat in the description below or wherever this podcast is currently being consumed and with that i think we should dive right in Alex hello um,
1: I'm so happy you asked me to come on and to talk about um, things I like
0: <laughs> well thank you for being here I've actually been really excited for this chat because because a lot of other people I've spoken to are slightly more not, generic and not in a bad way but we have like films tv we've got a game and like I hadn't even thought about podcasts even though I listened to like quite a few and they are well, they do tend to be queer.
1: So what I mean, apart from Welcome to Night Vale, which I think a lot of people like, had that as like, I have a like first big like podcast experience. Like, what other
0: podcasts do you listen to? i
1: really interested.
0: I I have been listening to Mabel. I'm nearly like through it. <laughs> that this is a new one, but I'm really glad I found that one. I've completely forgotten of all other. <laughs> Podcasts.
1: Sorry to put you on the spot. Listen-
0: <laughs> Not at all. Uh, I listen to like a decent amount of uh, non-fiction mm. ones. There's, Do you know the Be- Bechtel cast? No. Um, is it like a film review kind of thing? Yeah, no, so it's... they l- talk about films, but specifically about women in films and kind of use the Bechtel test as a kind of jumping off point. Mm. There's not having it all, which is another film one kind of centered about centered around women and uh, diversity in film. That sounds. Which is really good, and oh god, I can't. I've just like forgotten everything.
1: (laughs) It's 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 one of those things, especially because like podcasts tend to be something that. Um, at least for me I put on when I'm doing other things so it's really hard to figure like mm-hmm. which one do I listen to which one and which one and which one um so I had to sit down and like make a list <laughs> of all the ones I, mm-hmm. I to fairly regularly yeah
0: where where did your kind of like love for podcasts come from do you think
1: I think it was kind of so I I, I just enjoy stories in a, which is very generic I think everyone <laughs> does um but um yeah, I, I, I remember, I think Welcome to Nightmare, Nightmare was my first one and I really enjoy, um, I enjoy science fiction, I enjoy speculative fiction, fantasy, basically anything that's weird. Um, and mm-hmm. I was just really taken by um, how emotive the storytelling is and how the voice acting and the sound design was just so compelling and really just um, places you... Um, directly in this, like, weird, strange world. Um, and then I was like, I want to hear more stuff like that. And I want to... I know more stuff mm-hmm. like that exists. So I I just um, kind of went from there. And it hasn't been... I think, in terms of, like, what's been most consistent, I think my, like, love for film... Um, has been partially because i think more people watch films so it's like easier to talk to people about it whereas um mm-hmm. i think podcast fandoms especially the ones that are very queer tend to have very small but very um, aggressive <laughs> <laughs> and loud and creative fan bases um that don't really like filter mm-hmm. out to the wider internet as much um, as maybe like um, films or tv shows or like cartoons like steven universe like I don't have to watch Steven Universe and, like, know exactly what the fandom's like (laughs) to see lots of the fan art, Um, Mm -hmm. whereas, like, podcasts feel a bit smaller. Um, But, yeah, I think as someone who has increasingly struggled since childhood to maintain the same sense of, um, the same attention span as I did when it came to, like, sitting down and being able to get from Mm -hmm. a book um, cover to cover, um, podcasts kind of, like, fulfilled that for my add brain <laughs> Just, <so. laughs>
0: I, I think it's interesting you mention the idea that podcasts tend to be listened to by people who are more creative I, I know it was a huge generalization but i definitely think there's something there um do you think that has like any correlation to the fact that podcasts can kind of exist as quite queer spaces
1: i yeah yeah i i think so i um and I'm also speaking very aware that there is an entire side podcast, like, the podcast boom that I am completely um, disconnected from. Like, I don't listen to much nonfiction. I listen to, like, stuff like the Art History Babes and Audacious Aunties by Asia. Um, but um, I don't really listen to most of the poli- politics podcasts that I see on the top of the podcast rankings. Um, I don't listen to any of the true crime podcasts because I just find that, Just it has no appeal for me Um, and I can talk endlessly on why I think that true crime is so appealing to a particular kind of person Um, Mm -hmm. but I I, I, I think that the smaller, more narrative podcasts um, it's a small ecosystem but it's one that is very queer and I think that there is a long history of um, queer writers and creators um, feeling um an affinity not not, not universally to like the, the things that are weird or the things that are like, outside society um even like I, I remember reading um the world of loneliness by radcliffe hall and these like and the same kind of feelings of like feeling like a bit of an outsider feeling like a bit monstrous are expressed by you know um, this lesbian in this podcast whose girlfriend is kind of stuck in the land of the fair. <laughs> And it's yeah. it's just interesting to see like the continuity of these kind of ideas, especially for queer women and non binary people. Um, and also the freedom of the medium. I think people often discuss the limitations of podcasts, but there is a lot of freedom um, in a medium where you only have your own imagination. And I think dreaming can be a form of um hoping for and like calling a different reality into being um so imagination and creativity and dreaming and um filling in the gaps for yourself i think is an inherently Mm -hmm. kind of queer way of engaging with a piece of media
0: yeah definitely i also wonder whether that is to do with or not to do with but related to the idea that so many podcasts that fiction podcasts that are really celebrated as having um women loving women representation male loving male non-binary characters everything and anything happen to be stories that are really genre bending like when we were talking about podcasts the ones you came to me with were like Welcome to Night Vale Alice Isn't Dead, Magnus Archives, Mabel, Penumbra Podcast all of these are really genre heavy
1: yeah yeah I I I think part of it is just that I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a person of habit <laughs> I just kind of, um, there might be podcasts, queer podcasts out there that aren't, um, you know, so like in the sci-fi and speculative kind of rut, but I haven't actually heard of them as much. And I've been on the internet a long time <laughs> and it's just very interesting, um, mm-hmm. that, um, I think, Welcome to Night Well especially, I think, as the the one that kind of started my um, obsession with podcasts, um, Mm -hmm. has this just insane breadth and this um, this creative, like, remit of, like, there's floating alien cats, there are women with no faces, (laughs) there's um, Mm -hmm. sentient hands that use she, her pronouns. Um, (laughs) I, I just can't really communicate it, just the weirdness of Welcome to Night Vale. Um, and in the midst of it, the most ordinary thing is the relationship between Cecil, who's the uh, voice of Welcome to Night Vale radio, and his boyfriend, called, who's a scientist, called Carlos. Um, that's the yeah. only part of Welcome to Night Vale that isn't weird and lynchier yeah. and <laughs> just completely strange. Um, and that's so nice. I, I love... Um, reading or watching or listening to things where queerness is not something that has to be explained or like placed within like a storyline that we're Mm -hmm. very familiar with. Or it's like, it doesn't have to be like a coming out story or someone coming to terms with sexuality um, or all of these stories that for what they are, I love, but constantly Mm -hmm. like situate queerness within this sense of like newness and discovery opening up. Um, I just love stories that feel where like, um, LGBT people and characters and stories just feel like lived in and it's just like this is just the way it is why would we have to explain this mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we don't we're not gonna explain the floating cat we're not gonna explain the queer relationships and that's just how this podcast is you know
0: <laughs> yeah they tend to be stories that don't have like characters who come out they just are and they exist as queer people um and I think Welcome to Night Vale also goes really well in um, something that I really appreciated was, you know how the show has started doing live shows? Yes. Um, they recast the voice of Carlos. Oh. Because he was, ri- yeah, he was originally voiced by... Um, the
1: Moron, I think?
0: I don't think he, he wasn't the original voice. Oh. I think they changed that for the live show because they realised that because he is described in the show as being... Uh, Latino I believe yeah. they thought the the creators Joseph Fink didn't feel comfortable having even though it's a podcast where you don't see faces when it was transformed into a live show they thought we need to recast him as an actual queer Latino person and like it just goes to show how, like, how much thought creators put into it because I think a lot of podcast creators of this ilk have had the experiences that they are writing I mean not the floating cats and supernatural (laughs) elements but (laughs) everything else yeah
1: and it's it's so weird because I me myself as a local writer but I I I'm kind of like an Alison Bechtel in that I can only write about things that have happened to me to some extent I can I can write about things I know that happened to people in my family and like that kind of dynamic but then I will write them through writing a horror story or through writing a story where people have magic and use magic. Mm-hmm. Um so which to me feels more honest than doing the kind of like um stop story memoir about this is what happened to me when I was a kid and this is why I'm like this, you know? Um like m- monsters actually feel more honest and the more metaphorical they are, um the better they are encapsulating things like, you know, trauma or like falling in love for the first time and mm-hmm. all these other things that uh, people have been talking about in so many forms since the dawn of humanity but we still can't get enough we still can't really fully um, encapsulate what those things feel like um, so yeah I just I think that um, Joseph Fink in particular is a writer that is has just a great sense for the importance of telling Stories that are on the surface, right, inoffensive and very like rooted in genre, like you said, um, in a way that is like grounded in emotions, like the um, story about the sentient hand I alluded to slightly earlier. Um, that was one of the Welcome to Nightmare episodes that made me cry mm. um, because it's a girl who, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's so. <laughs> a girl is a hand and it's emotional and she finally gets a body and the body's like eight feet tall. Um and she finally gets to express herself and be different, um which to me and to many of the fans actually read as a kind of trans narrative um mm. was deeply moving, and yeah, I think there's something that seems kind of um i'm I'm very scared of people like taking a story like um a story of coming out and it going wrong um in a really voyeuristic way because I think straight people have this tendency to be like, oh um. Uh, do your parents know and like yeah see in a way that that seems like it's firstly it's way too personal um but it's like this doesn't like this the the way i could tell the story um wouldn't actually do just just to those feelings and um i'd rather not talk about it in a way that would um just kind of confirm like existing ideas of like prejudices and family and queerness without actually like um portraying them in their fullness
0: if that makes sense does that make sense (laughs) yeah that then makes sense i think that kind of makes me think of alice isn't dead i never finished that podcast i i am very bad about starting new ones and never (laughs) (laughs) finishing even though i get incredibly invested at the time um but i remember the way that show is introduced because obviously it is about um an unnamed or mostly unnamed uh narrator talking about her mm. search for her wife. And like, that's essentially her coming out. Like, it's, it's in the description. You just see mm. female and wife and you kind of yeah. get it. And the rest is just a really strange but interesting story. Yeah. <laughs> It's like,
1: and again, like Joseph Figg, like this isn't the weird thing. We're not going to explain this. You should already be, <laughs> be comfortable with this. Um, the weird FBI-esque <laughs> creepy uh, secret agents, they are weird. We're going to focus on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like Jashika Nicole's voice acting, Jashika Jashik, Jashik Nicole uh, plays the narrator um, mm-hmm. and she's married to a woman, woman in real life. Um, and she's also one of the cast members for Night Vale. And, I didn't know that. Um, yes. Um, yeah, she has, she's just done amazing work um, throughout the podcast genre. Um, but yeah, and it's like even when a, a character isn't explicitly, because I think there's also this tendency to think, okay, are they queer? But they're not in a relationship with anyone. And mm. thus, like a lot of a lot of characters that may be queer-coded or might be, but you don't know, um, kind of just go un, like unremarked pod and are just ignored um but both welcome to nightville and as as alice isn't dead and basically every every podcast under the commonplace books umbrella um casts from the community and they are very situated within um their community and thus they bring all these new um writers and like um voice talents that actually like do these kind of stories justice Mm -hmm. and really like um in a way that's like, deep and uh, yeah, just very good. I, I just, yeah, <laughs> I just think it's great.
0: Do you think that the, the form of a podcast adds anything to the queer experience? Not necessarily in terms of uh, like creative freedom, like we've already discussed, but in terms of the way podcasts are consumed, do, do you think there's a difference between that and, and film and TV in any way?
1: I think the contrast between film and TV is an important one, because I remember numerous times um, during my adolescence, um, wanting to watch something um, on TV, and being told not to, or having to, like, wake up really late, um, and being, like, hyper-aware of who was around when I was watching certain things, mm-hmm. um, and just, like, that being... I think TV, especially considering, like, how um, channels are curated, and... Um, who is in charge of these things and what kind, what kinds of like queerness and um, gay life are like seen as possible and acceptable um, can be like, well, often, often it is like a tool of like hegemony and it's a very hegemonic kind of um, way of presenting queer reality is and Mm -hmm. um yes that there there is like a huge amount of um representation now that we didn't always have but i just think in terms of the way that it's consumed especially thinking of myself you know um seven years ago um it's not always the most accessible Mm -hmm. um or the most possible like i know that L world kind of started everything but i could not have gotten away of watching the L world at home whereas podcasts um partially because of the subtlety partially because like even if you're listening to them out loud um people will only ever get fragments (laughs) um you get away with more um and yeah i think that's one reason that um i wouldn't say i prefer them but like you know different in different places especially now when a lot of people are forced back back home and don't necessarily always have the ability or the privacy to you know keep up with their shows Mm -hmm. um being able to like um, enjoy these narratives without the pressure or without the fear of discovery is a nice thing. It's it's unfortunate that it's still a conversation that we need to have, but that's just the reality of probably most people.
0: Yeah. Um, so, I remember um, my first introduction to podcast was also with Welcome to Night Vale, and it was a very low key way of me um, still essentially. I don't know. I was absolutely closeted at the time, but. I had a, a very small crush on on a girl at my new school and I saw she made a comment about Welcome to Night Vale and I thought I'm going to listen to it so I can impress her. I never oh did anything Oh my god. <laughs> and then I found That's out so the story real. I found out the story itself was queer and I was like okay well this I didn't end up like I'm listening to it for a different reason now but I think that it's it's still very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I, I feel that. It's like starting listening to something. I I, started, I took a module in medieval literature during my year abroad to impress someone. Um, so, like, that's that's even more involved than starting to listening to a podcast. But I was like, oh, they're, they're a medievalist. Okay. And then I, I just found this module. And I was like, I can know things just to impress them. Um, so I, I still haven't grown up in that, in, in that regard. That was this year. Oh. Um, that was not... I'm 23 years old um.
0: That's really sweet though That's, I think a lot of people can relate to, to that yeah. um, Going back slightly because uh, you were talking about your kind of history with podcasts uh, I know you kind of wanted to sort of talk about the landscape of podcasts and how it has changed um, over time especially in terms of diversity uh, would you, Do you want to take that? somewhere
1: yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is within my little realm of genre podcasts I have seen um in some senses a lot more diversity um because I think there has been I think there's there's more of an appetite for them now 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 more so than ever because people are at home and all the reasons I thought I said that po- podcasts are, pop- are popular now apply but also because um because there's like loads of listeners now you have lots of listeners being inspired and making their own podcasts so i think welcome to night fell vale is probably directly responsible for at least a couple of hundred podcasts mm-hmm. of varying quality <laughs> but most of <laughs> most of which are uh, made um by queer people often by women non-binary people and a lot of the time um they're not always uh, they have at least one or two people on the, on the creative team that are people of color um in terms of the level of fandom for these respective podcasts, I can say I know for a fact that um, Mabel is, has quite a, a small fandom. I think there's maybe um, it's very hard to gauge um, because that it's like spread across all these different mediums, and you don't have to um, you don't have the ease of like seeing gifs sets gifs sets being like reblogged by thousands of people to so, like, mm-hmm. like gauge how many people are listening. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's that many. Um, and I think that even though the number of people making podcasts has gotten more diverse, um, the podcasts that are popular are still those that are um, made and produced and written and often voiced by um, white men. Um, mm-hmm. Not always straight white men, but usually. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're dealing with. Um And I think it's really interesting when you consider that um, a lot of the people who are within these fandoms, within fandoms more generally, um, are often, like, younger women, often queer. Um, But still we have this um, huge reality of people gravitating to podcasts that, um, at at least in terms of their creative team, um, still aren't that diverse. Um, Mm -hmm. So you have a couple of, like, brown characters or characters that could be read as people of colour and characters that at least are written as queer um but you won't have the same amount of diversity as you'd have if you actually listened to a podcast written by a black woman Mm -hmm. um there are there is like a black woman's horror podcast it's alright. it doesn't have much of a listening base and that's i think that's the main issue with like looking at diversity in podcasts you'll have some you have some characters you have um some queer relationships but at least within the genre podcast realm it's still very standard in terms of representation um and i don't really know what to I, i i think i don't know how to solve that because i think that that says even when you have no kind of visual component to the entertainment we still privilege these kind of voices like the Magnus archives Mm -hmm. is probably the podcast that I've listened to most in the past couple of months and despite being very British I found um Jonathan Sims voice when I first started listening to be ridiculously British (laughs) like um if you ask an American what they think a British person sounds like they sound like Jonathan Sims Mm -hmm. um he is he's probably educated at least the character that he's playing is and um, very dry, very much of the, um, (laughs) like, Harry Potter school of Mm. um, professorial, like, intellectual-sounding voices. And I was just thinking, if someone, if we had a character like Jonathan Sims but voiced by someone like John Boyega, would he have the same level of appeal to people? Um, Because Mm. I find his delivery, at least at first, to be quite dry, and there's reasons for that that are justified, you know, within the plot. Um but you know, you can tell, you can, you can hear like the, when people are like, speaking in dialects that are more reminiscent of like multicultural London English and um, that come from like, you know, a history of migration. And those kind of voices are pretty much almost always absent, especially in podcasts that are made um, by independent producers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a bit of an issue um
0: yeah i was thinking about this the other day well while i was thinking about doing this podcast um i was reflecting on the my own listening habits and i don't think i have any i have ever listened to podcasts that are made by like black people or people of color um let alone any sense of intersectional identities like women of color or, or anything like that and mm. I was just like, I need to find some, because it, it's it's very strange that that is... I've never even noticed that huge gap in a... Even though podcasts fill a really, really ambitious, genre-bending, um, queer spaces that there's still this huge gap.
1: Yeah. Um, I've, I straight up think that there that literally just aren't that many. There aren't that many podcasts that get popular enough to be known and discussed um, outside of like tiny little um, subreddits. Mm. Um, And there aren't that many um, genre podcasts being written um, by by, um, black women or um, women of color more generally. Um, I think that there's a conversation that could be had by someone who probably knows more than me about these things, um, about the idea of genre fiction and position of people of color within that. Because I think that genre fiction more so than like um literary fiction and other forms of um writing and creating is seen as a really white area mm. and um I, I I know a lot of people of um directors um particularly like african di- um, female directors who um, work in genre, genre fiction and do like lots of st- short films but I don't know that many people or haven't heard of that many people um. Who do genre fiction in an area that is so niche and also so ill remunerated um, as podcasting, and that last point actually might be why I think podcasting has um, not particularly high barriers to entry, but like buying the equipment is quite expensive.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: quite specific. Um, it, I mean you're finding you could have lots of fans and not make that much money. A lot of people rely on things like Patreon and mm-hmm. merch sales, but it's not a particularly lucrative business unless you get really popular. And I have seen quite a few podcasts that do all those boxes, kind of start and trail off because um, it's quite intensive work. And if you're not really getting the response that you want, um, you might struggle to continue. That might be one of the reasons, so I don't think that it explains everything.
0: No, um, I also think it's something that, you know, there isn't really like an easy answer You you can't really just solve stuff like this, but you know, I know for myself anyway that I'm going to try and seek out some more stories that are are more diverse in the writer's room and voiced by more diverse people because, you know, it's the least you can do to support and help maybe increase this the type of people writing and just help, I guess.
1: Yeah, um, but but like when I do find them, like the Mabel podcast is incredibly good, as you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and more generally, I think that, um, you know, even the stories that maybe like Joseph Fink is like the main writer and Alice Isn't um, But there's a sense of collaboration there um, that is very important. Mm-hmm. And um, The Magnus Archives, which is a fairly white podcast in terms of voice talent and also in terms of um, direction and production, um does does actually consciously make a bit of an effort to include different perspectives, but again, because of the fact that a lot of these podcasts are voiced by the creators' friends, necessarily because um, it's not a medium that has a lot of money running around, mm-hmm. um, you will have slightly smaller or slightly more narrow um, representation than if you were doing like a flagship BBC One program. Yeah, um, BBC Sounds podcasts have a bit more diversity and that's good. Mm -hmm. I don't particularly like them though (laughs) because I don't think they're as well written or created as um, the independent podcasts that I listen to. Um, But they are there and that is a thing. Um, And I'm hoping to write some (laughs) some podcasts or at least I'm working on one now. Um,
0: That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah.
1: um, So there'll be at least one more. (laughs) <laughs> um, that is that is created by someone who ticks all the boxes <laughs> of representation, um, but yeah, it's it's a complex issue, and I think a lot of it just requires like being open minded and being mm-hmm. forgiving, because um, I think that um, I know I know at least one of the podcast creators that we've been discussing has had a, like a long lineage in um, creating audio dramas and writing and etc. Um, and just being forgiving of people who are starting out and being forgiving of audio quality that isn't the best mm-hmm. um, is a way of, like, allowing these podcasts to be able to take root and stay in the podcast landscape.
0: Mm. Um. No, I definitely agree. I think the idea of audio quality, like, some, some people, I think, have found really innovative ways of working around that. Going back to Mabel, again, uh, I don't know how much of it was, because of monetary reasons or just creative reasons, but the fact that that's entirely told through, like, um, what's the word? Answer phone voicemail. messages. Yeah, voicemail. Yeah. Like, I, I can't say that it was because they didn't have the budget for all the mics or whatever, but mm. there are some really innovative ways to get around it, but that shouldn't be a restriction for people wanting to get into making podcasts.
1: Yep, yep. Absolutely, and um, I just, I think that for me, as someone who enjoys writing genre fiction, um, podcasts are so brilliant because of, like, the sound quality of the voicemails that are used as the, you know, storytelling device in Mabel. Um, it's so central to the feelings of like horror and unease that you often feel <laughs> when you're listening, mm-hmm. um, and, the sense of just things being slightly not right. Um, there is such a, there's, there's so much to explore when, you, when it comes to like storytelling through, not just like what the words that you're saying, but um, sounds and um, sound design and music. And Mabel does that very beautifully. Um, even sometimes when you get like little fragments of, for example, like Mabel or Anna singing, um, mm-hmm. and it's a folk song, and it just sounds so haunting and beautiful. And then it cuts off really suddenly. Um, and then you carry that feeling of this, like, ethereal, magical mood with you for the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Like, that's amazing. So there, there is a lot of creativity that is not um, done in spite of restraints, but actually um, becomes empowered by the restraints mm. of the podcast format and of being, like, very lo-fi. Um, and also, like, if we move away from fiction for a bit, in nonfiction, in criticism, in pop culture discussions, um, there is no issue of representation that I can see because there are hundreds of black women that are just making a, um, incredible podcasts about a pop culture film, everything, relationships, music, um if we stop talking talking about podcasts and talk about, like, radio more generally, um, No Signal is brilliant and has been giving me lifeless quarantine. Mm-hmm. So outside of genre fiction, um, representation, to me, isn't that much of an issue. Um, different people might say differently. Um, but there is definitely... I'd say that many of the most popular podcasts, actually, um, are coming from marginalised groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And, and, and I think, again, I think that because they are done by internet, independent um, production companies or um, collectives that can barely be called a company at all, um, you don't have to deal with the kind of um, suppressive framing that can come with um, coming through like the BBC or coming through like one of the more established media companies. Um, and that kind of freshness and that freedom um, can really enable some great and funny and interesting discussion Mm -hmm. um I don't listen to them that much because I'm a nerd but (laughs) I know knowing that they exist makes me happy
0: (laughs) that's good sometimes that's good enough (laughs) yeah (laughs) changing this topic ever so slightly um do you have any like favorite queer characters from any podcasts that you really want to celebrate right now or any storylines or things like that
1: hmm (laughs) Mm -hmm. fine we forgive her um (laughs) (laughs) and she gets involved in what's the goings on in the magnus archives so if your listeners don't know what the magnus archives is it's basically set in a um archival facility in london that is supposed to be documenting um, creepy, spooky, scary um, goings on um, in a very dry and British manner. Um, so it starts off with the narrator Jonathan Sims um, and the head archivist being very sceptical of what, of these goings on, but they tend to, they t- start to get more and more real. And um, by the end of the first season, you are well aware that um, stuff's going down <laughs> <laughs> and creepy stuff exists. Um, Basira Hussain kind of gets introduced as um, a detective that's been assigned to the creepy goings on very like X-Files-esque fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, She, she, like many characters um, in the podcast, has no no patience for Jonathan Sims and his (laughs) um, sarcasm and his um, dryness and his um, general uselessness, um, (laughs) which is something that I love. I love mean characters <laughs> um, but she does have a really strong bond it's never really clearly uh, described as either platonic or romantic but though heavily implied by the way that the creators discuss these characters with another detective whose name is Daisy Tonner and that relationship um, and its tensions and the passion there um, but also the horrible decisions that these characters have made have to make about each other over the course of the story is just so compelling. It's um, it's 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 a podcast, and and this is full credit to Jonathan Sims that has a huge cast of characters, and just like it, it it spans continents. It um you'll have like a a podcast, and it'll call back a name from um like. 40 episodes ago and it's all (laughs) part of like this this like big narrative of like um this world threatening um yeah entity um but (laughs) just throughout all of these um episodes throughout all these interweaving narratives you have like this um queer love story that is um far deeper than what i i've seen um in other in other podcasts and other media more generally i think it's um, really interesting. And I love the fact that, um, that, um, the Berkizah Archives doesn't really do much in terms of descript- descriptions. Um, it's kind of like, um, welcome to Night Vale in that regard. Like, the listeners kind of fill in the blanks for themselves. Mm-hmm. But, um, Basira Hussein is explicitly described as a hijabi woman. And, mm-hmm. um, that's very important to me. And, because I can't think of many other explicitly Muslim characters, particularly in genre fiction, and um that's i think that's a good thing I, w- I want to see more of that um and i want to see more of that in podcasts and um if someone who is you know a white man um who with a, with a massive um knowledge of genre fiction and massive ambition massive creativity can so easily and effortlessly like create these like fully realized characters and there really is no excuse for the blinding whiteness of so many other mm-hmm. podcasts um and it's explicitly described whiteness um even when well- welcome to night well well like said refused to describe um, cecil palmer um the, fan- the fandom kind of decided that he was skinnier than white anyway mm. so there's there's something there and that's another discussion but um anyway basira is saying Queen of my heart and a very cool character. I can't really tell you much about her story because it would spoil everything. But um, um, just know that she kicks ass and it's great.
0: I mean, I think that's incentive enough to, to plow through and listen to the... I, I think there are loads... I don't know how many episodes there are, but it's been going on uh, for, like, since 2016? Like, every yeah. week?
1: Yeah. <laughs> there, there are a lot of episodes, but once you start listening... Um I I started I started listening to the Magnus Archives late last year and I'm completely up to date because I because it's amazing.
0: That's impressive. (laughs) Um I do think you touched on one issue restriction of podcasts, which is the sometimes fact that characters can't be described because you don't necessarily want that to be the way your podcasts are written. Like you don't you don't want to have someone in the background narrating you want to have people talking um yeah and i i think the penumbra podcast does quite well with that with with um Juno because his character is uh i'm not completely familiar with this podcast so correct me if i'm wrong but uh Juno's non-binary and is described like quite ambiguously in terms of Clothes and looks.
1: Hmm. Like I'm, I'm not particularly familiar with um, Penumbra pre- podcast, like specifically. I, I I know that he's described using like he him pronouns, mm-hmm. uh, but apart from that, I don't really know that much about him. And I think that could be a really good thing. Um, I try to write my characters that way because I'm not that particularly I'm not particularly interested in physical appearances, mm-hmm. but I do feel like a pressure. In my own writing, to uh, say this person is black, I won't tell you what how how black they are, whether whether they're light skin or dark skin, but I I want you to know that they're black because mm-hmm. otherwise people will just assume that differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but apart from the fact that like this character has like a broken nose and he I, I just always imagine him with like this like trench coat. I can't really say anything specifically about Juno Steele. Uh, which adds to a sense of mystery. And I think that's quite mm. powerful. Um, but it's not one of the podcasts I listen to most. So it might be that it's it's, um, it's very successful writing of an ambiguous character. Or that my memory is bad. <laughs> um, either way, I like it. And that's the way I, I choose to write my characters too.
0: I think it's a really it's... good way to write characters. <laughs> is to, you know, not necessarily shoehorn them into a specific way of, of being. Um... But when I was doing my research on, on Juno, uh, a lot of the, like, clips were him, to, like, referring to himself as a lady and, like, getting dressed up in a nice dress. And I was like, even if... I think... I do think it's non-binary, but in the, like, description. But even if that weren't the case, that sort of um, decoupling of fashion and gender identity in a podcast where you can't see clothes is... I think really cool and it's definitely a given me incentive to listen to it
1: yeah and I I think that that's I think the, the importance of imagination especially when you're thinking about of, of fashion and um what something might look like like I think um Welcome to Night Vale has um described like certain people's clothes in like really weird ways
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and like what what would like a shirt the color of a sick sky look like I don't know but it sounds pretty cool <laughs> And, and the idea of atmosphere and possibility and imagination especially for queer characters or non-binary characters um is so essential um, mm-hmm. because we dress really weird just in general as a community um <laughs> and, and i love that and i think um it's like i remember when mark of the night came out and we just we saw this like wave of fan art yes it was very white um but it was very weird too Mm-hmm. and the possibilities engend- engendered by that um and i do want to say that like the biggest difference i, I can tell between um the magnus archives of just slightly newer than welcome to nightvale um and like it's a predecess- predecessors is that um the fan base of the magnus archives almost uni- universally had canon jonathan sims as brown despite everyone knowing that his voice actor is white he's he's often drawn as like looking quite South Asian in appearance. Oh, that's cool. And that, yeah, that's a massive difference. And his boyfriend Martin, and then that—that that is a bit of a spoiler. Sorry, but like, it's—it's it's risen from the beginning. Um, <laughs> um, is um, His head coloured almost exclusively as fat, um, and often was white, but not exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, but like his weight is always like, always like a part of the way he's drawn, and it's like. It, never, it doesn't take away from it's, it's not used as a joke it doesn't take away from like his badassery as a character mm-hmm. um and it's like nice to have a leading man i guess or a, rom- a romantic lead um that kind of like bucks ex- expectations of like what is seen to be attractive and like what is mm-hmm. um the norm in more visual mediums um I hate I, I don't want to I don't mean to imply by that that like it's only like podcasts that can do that but I'm just glad that like podcasts have been thinking about that and have been writing around that in ways that um are just really lovely to hear <laughs> and experience
0: yeah I that's I think that's really cool you always kind of assume a lot of characters to kind of be these skinny often white kind of twinkie figures um mm. either <laughs> either twinkie or com- and very like hyper feminine and that's really not the case yeah. and these these shows are showing you that without ever actually showing you i think that that kind of has brought this to a nice conclusion uh do you have anything else you want to talk about or add
1: Only to recommend that people listen to these podcasts and mm-hmm. i can yeah i can deliver like a more um a more comprehensive list of um, podcasts b- by b- black women and by um, um, pe- yeah, people of color more generally that I can recommend people listen to. Um, but yeah, and I think I hope that people will accept that it's not just like the archers. <laughs> um, There's there just so much amazing work being done in these kind of non traditional mediums.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's just really exciting. Um, and that's kind of my piece. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um I'll probably put a bunch of links to the podcasts that we've mentioned uh in the description of wherever uh this is being consumed. And if you have any uh ones that we haven't mentioned but you'd like me to share alongside this, send them across and I will I'll put them in for more sharing of really cool podcasts. Amazing. But otherwise, yes, thank you for joining pride pals for this episode it's been really fun it's been really interesting thank you for having me
1: um i've really enjoyed this
0: <laughs> that was episode one of pride pals thank you so much for listening it really means a lot you can follow me on twitter at alex underscore Dewing, which will also be linked down there for more information about episodes to come and i will see you next time where we'll be talking about androgyny in steven universe and shira